Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Let me thank my sponsor, Sailrite. Looking for a sewing machine that's both portable and powerful? Look no further than the legendary Sailrite Ultrafeed LSZ-1. Take it to the marina, store it on your boat. The Ultrafeed goes where you go. This high-performing, heavy-duty machine sews both in zigzag and straight stitch. The Ultrafeed can handle your toughest jobs with absolutely zero loss of power or skip stitches. It breezes through up to 10 layers of Sunbrella canvas and 8 layers of Dacron sailcloth. With the most dependable all-metal internal components, the Ultrafeed is a piece of well-engineered machinery that's built to last. Sailrite has been building the Ultrafeed for over 20 years. This tried-and-true powerhouse machine comes with a 5-year limited warranty and the best customer service in the industry. The machines are assembled, fine-tuned, and tested at Sailrite's manufacturing facility by a team of highly trained technicians. Every machine is calibrated and tested before it's shipped to guarantee both smooth operation and machine quality. Take your sewing skills to the next level with the Sailrite Ultrafeed LSZ-1 sewing machine. I am on Skype with August Sandberg. August works with, with Andy Schell at uh, 59 North Sailing, and I guess you're starting to do some of the podcasts, some of the audio for On the Wind Sailing podcast. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I've been, uh, yeah, just uh, stepping in here and there. So, um, yeah, I've been doing a lot of sailing and uh, a little bit of media stuff as well. So, um, yeah, just sort of on for the whole uh, the whole thing, I guess. All right. Now you're located in Norway. Let me tell me where you are so I can zoom in on you and Google Earth. All right. Yeah, I'm in Norway. That's right. I'm on the southwest coast, not too far from Bergen, which is the um, the second largest city, uh, sort of on the southwest there. And I'm on a little island inside the Ustafjord, which is called. Okay. So. Um, Yep, sitting here watching the watching the water right now, and uh, we had some really powerful uh, southern winds today that wiped away all the snow. So it's uh, pretty uh, starting to look like spring out there. It's pretty nice. Okay, so are the days still short, or are they getting longer quickly? They are getting longer quickly. Uh, there is like a noticeable difference. Uh, week by week, and um, we just got rid of the uh, the daylight saving time, so it's um, yeah, it's it stays light until uh, almost nine oh, in wow. the afternoon. Okay, so it's yeah, it's pretty it's pretty good. Yeah, that's what I love it. The, when I was up in Sweden, the one time I sailed in Sweden on Andy's old boat, Arcturus. Um, I loved uh, I loved how late how at midnight it was still light enough to really see pretty well. It uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, that is uh, that is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. It's uh, yeah, the summers just don't really get dark here. Uh, so that's 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 pretty nice. I like that. All right. So 
you are the skipper for Ishborn. Is that correct? The new skipper? Yep, that's right. I uh, took over the, the skipper's hat for Ishbjorn, um after uh, Andy and, and 59 North. They always just had that the one boat. They had Ispion, and, and Andy was the skipper, and Mia was the mate. And then they decided to uh, expand the business and bought Ice Bear, which is uh, Swan 59, uh, that they added to the fleet. And so uh, Mia and, and Andy moved over to, to Ice Bear, and, and I took over uh, as skipper on Ispion. Okay. So, uh, uh, yep. So where is the, where is Ispion right now? Where is it located? Right. Right now, Ispion is on Tortola, uh, on the British Virgin Islands in the Caribbean, um, on up on on the hard. Okay. Uh, she is uh, patiently awaiting my return uh, for the end of April uh, to sort of start up our sailing season again. So, uh, at the moment, that is not very. Um, Likely, I guess. Uh, of course, with this whole virus thing, have complicated international travels as much as it has. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, not really sure when I'm going to see her again, unfortunately. We should let the audience know, our listeners know, that we're recording this on April 6th. And this is going to come out probably at least a month from now because I've got several podcasts in the queue prior to this one being released. So right now we are in the right. midst of the uh, of the Corona epidemic, pandemic, epidemic, whatever you want to call it, the the Chinese virus epidemic, and um, we don't know how the summer's going to work out. <laughs> it's one of the great unknowns for everybody right now. So, yeah, that is true. I guess uh, it'll be interesting to to see it about what what the situation looks like. Who knows? Maybe I'm maybe I'm crossing an ocean on Ispion. So uh, could could be. It'll be. Uh, I'm excited to see how it how it turns out. I know. I talked to my friend Jack Andrews, and he's in Antigua on his boat right now. I didn't talk to him. I actually just texted mm. him, and he's been. Uh, they've been quarantined on their boat. They can't leave Antigua. They can't get. Uh, on and off. Well, I guess they can go swimming, and I guess they can probably go to shore for for food. But other than that, they are quarantined on their boat right now. And uh, I think there's a lot of yeah. people in the Caribbean like that. So, yeah, the the Caribbean of really locking down hard seems like um, like really really hard. So we got the same thing going with um, uh, Sean Westerby, who is the, the skipper on East Ice Bear, the, the big swan mm-hmm. right now. He's, he's quarantined on board her on, in Grenada. Uh, and they, they're also really, uh, yeah, really, they have curfews in place and we're not allowing people ashore except like certain times a day. And yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty rough. A pretty bizarre world right now. And you can't leave, leave and go somewhere else either. Because you can't get into any other countries either. So. Right. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. It's really strange, and, and, and nobody really knows, you know, how bad how bad it's going to get, how long it's going to last, and yeah, it's uh, you know, it's an interesting piece of history that we're living through right now. 
Well, August, let's start talking about your background, how you got into sailing, your experiences, some of your adventures, and just start at the beginning for us. Cool. Sure. Um, well, beginning, I guess. Uh, I, I, I know in the in the house that I grew up on, which is on, on a little island in the fjord um, in here on the west coast, and. Uh, when I was uh, when I was a little kid, we didn't have we didn't have a, a bridge to the island, uh, and it's it's a super small island. It's it's uh, just owned by my family, so it was me and me and my parents uh, and my little brother who lived here, and like we had to get in boats, um, basically whatever we we had to do if we were going to going to the store or to, uh, you know at anywhere we had to get in a boat so I got very had to learn very quickly uh, how to how to you know to, uh, find myself around a boat and um, so that's I guess you know I, I got started really got an early start in that, in that sense um, did not do much, much, much sailing uh, when I was like a little kid, um, but a lot of, lot of fishing, a lot of just messing around in boats, um, around on the fjord here and, um, and that kind of stuff. And then that some of my friends had sailboats. Uh, so we would, we would take them out and, and mess around a little bit. Um, and then, uh, it didn't really, Sort of. I didn't really start. I think I got my first, my own first sailboat when I was twenty, uh, twenty-two. I think. Uh, yep. Yeah. So that was that was sort of the. I got me and a friend. Uh, we got uh, a Baltic thirty-seven. Uh, a pretty beat up uh, boat, and that we were gonna take. Uh, around the world, that was our our plan. So, so that was that was my first proper uh, proper sailboat. How far did you get with it? Did you get around the world? We did not get around the world, uh, unfortunately. We tried. We 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 gave it a proper uh, proper trip, though. We we set off. Uh, first, we spent several years uh, just fixing her up and uh, sort of renovating her and uh, earning money to do the trip. And then we sailed sort of from Bergen um, and we sailed south to to, ho to Holland through the English Channel. Uh, we sailed to uh, Spain, to Portugal, ended up uh, on the Canary Islands, and then we did the uh, did the arc over to the Caribbean. Um, so that must have been that must have been 2012. We did the arc. Um, okay. So we sailed over there, and then we spent season in the um, in the Caribbean, and then we made our way to Panama to do the, to go through the Panama Canal uh, and over into the Pacific. Uh, and we, we had done everything. We had the provisionings on board, we'd stored everything. We'd, we'd pay the fees. We had all the lines and the fenders and, and a, like a time slot and everything. Um, 
And then the day before we were going to get go through, my, my dad had a really bad stroke back home. Uh, so I just left everything uh, right there, went home, and um, and then I stayed at home with, with my dad for uh, a year, basically. Um, and at, and at that time, the, the sort of, uh, yeah, cause, cause, cause my friend, my best friend Vega, who, who might sail together with, he, he'd also come back home and we gotten jobs and girlfriends and everything. And it was not possible to sort of, uh, burn every bridge and, and sail off like we'd done again. So it ended up with me. What happened to the boat? Uh, yeah, it ended up with me going back uh, a year later. Uh, go down to went down to Panama, picked the boat up and sailed it up to New York actually, and and sold the boat in New York. What was, the, was the, What uh, was the condition of the boat after a year by itself in the tropics like that? You know what? It was pretty good. Um, it was pretty good. My uh, Vega, my friend, who and, and, and co-skipper on board the boat, he had. Um, I got. I left immediately. I just dropped every tool I had and, and, and just left. But he, he stayed with the boat and he put it up on the hard and like did all the decommissioning uh, in a proper seaman-like way. So the boat, the boat was doing pretty good. So uh, it was. It was uh, it was not not bad at all. Well, that's good. So, growing up in Norway on an island, what did what did your father do to earn a living? My dad was a documentary filmmaker. Oh, really? Okay. So he, yep. So he um, he was uh, like self employed, and he made um, he made documentaries, mostly sort of documenting. Um, that uh, like the, the daily life in the in the fjords sort of uh, i guess the theme would be to find people who did things like the old school way or trying to sort of preserve older culture and sort of ways of ways of doing things and he would make documentaries about these people and sort of take care of that little a piece of history and just he had just an amazing skill at just finding these uh beautiful amazing characters uh and and just make make films about them and these were and, sold uh, primarily to the uh the tv industry in in norway then uh yeah sure they they did pretty well uh on tv there were also um most of them were made for the for the big screen and and made it really well on on at the theaters here here in Norway and and some of them internationally as well. Um, so um, yeah, and then and then like DVD and VHS uh, sales back then and uh, uh, yeah, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Well, that's interesting. Uh, so so you lived on an island, which is unusual. How close were you to Bergen, or the nearest large town? It takes about like now it takes uh, less than an hour. I guess forty forty five, I guess forty five minutes um, to drive 
from here to Bergen. Uh, if it all goes smoothly. Um, back then, it was a, it took a lot longer because we didn't have. Um, it was uh, there was all ferries and no bridges and stuff. But now it's not too it's not too isolated. Are you on the same island right now? Are you on the your father's yep. island? Okay, so I'm zoomed in That's on right. Bergen. That's right. So well, how would I find your specific island then? If you go north, you follow that fjord that sort of goes north out from Bergen. And then after a little while, it's going to take, uh, you turn to starboard <laughs> underneath this really long, long floating bridge. Okay, yep, That's I see there. that. Uh-huh. And then you're going to sail into the Usta fjord, which okay. is where you are right now. And you'll keep following that sort of nor'easterly okay. up there until you reach a place called Yalmos. So it's quite a ways up there then. There's huh? a little sort of inlet. Okay. Yeah, it's it is a it is a a little bit. Okay. Well, and then I... you turn at the very bottom of that little bay. It's probably called Yalmos. Um that's where that's where I'm at. Well, I'm not sure. They've got a lot of different names here, but I can't uh, find one that says Yelmos, but I'll just assume I'm in the general area. That's okay. So that's it. That's well, yeah, you're, you're, you're not far away. So, uh, yeah, this, that's where I am. What was it like growing up in that that rural of an area? Where did you go to school? How would you go back and forth to school? What was the community like? It was It was amazing. I... Uh, of course, I don't have anything to to compare it with, but I, I think it was uh, really excellent. Uh, my, my parents were both these like super super cool hippie types, and we would we would run like we would uh, like run like a the farm here and we'd grow all kinds of stuff. And we had we had animals, and you know we you know, we were. We were fishing and and just yeah having having a great time and I think there there's um, like yeah there there's a bit of a like there's some a bit of a community around here like a small uh, I guess a village I guess you would say and uh, all just a lot of great great people and um, yeah had a lot of lot of good friends uh, at school and. Uh, yeah, really, really nice. I I think I loved it, and I I certainly would wish the same for for my kids one day. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I think I turned out all right. <laughs> Bit of a loner maybe, but uh, otherwise not too not too damaged. You, you learned to be fairly self sufficient along the way, then. Yes, uh, I'm pretty sure uh, I did. That was that was one of the big things to my parents to be able to live here and sort of uh yeah be self-sufficient we had like several stints where we would just stop buying uh things and just sort of see see how long we could survive only from the stuff that we grew or uh, fished out of the sea or hunted ourselves and it was it was pretty long so uh Okay, so now you after your after you 
dropped the boat in Panama, came back and took care of your father for a year. Uh, how did you get back into sailing? I um, did not, when I sold the boat in New York, eventually, uh, it, I think it took me two or three months until I bought a new one. <laughs> Uh, That's so pretty quick. It was, it was pretty <laughs> instantaneous. <laughs> I, was, I was not as done with that as I maybe thought I was. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I started working at the at the university in Bergen. Uh, then after after I got back, and I actually uh, was looking to get a get a flat in the city, um, which I really didn't want to do. Uh, and then I sort of thought, huh, maybe I'll just maybe I'll just buy another boat and just live on the boat in the harbor. Uh, and so I did that instead. <laughs> so uh, got a got a Maxi 108. Uh, it's a 36 foot Swedish boat. Really, really neat sort of liveaboard with a massive aft cabin and a, a neat galley. And uh, it was uh, yeah. So I lived on her for yeah i think so okay uh, hey, so i lost i lost you. A... you said you lived on her for and then you went blank so what how long did you live on oh, her though okay yeah i think it was two years oh okay okay um yeah so uh so yeah a bit of working a bit as a flat and also as a little sort of adventure machine so i would take Take little little trips around with my friends, and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty great. Okay, and and yeah. so where where how did you end up working with Andy then? Andy, um, well, I I was back then I was working in filmmaking, like like my dad had done, and, mm -hmm. and also my my grandparents as well. So I'm, I was a third generation filmmaker um working in, in in bergen and and that was that was all i did that was my my whole uh sort of professional life and then the sailing thing was just a hobby but then i got pretty pretty sick of the of, of the like film thing i think i just worked a little too hard at it and it was uh, i just needed needed a little break and I had my 30th birthday uh, was sort of looming at the over the horizon, and I guess I freaked out a little bit. So I started working as a professional skipper, uh, sailing sailing boats and, and doing trips. I started out here in here in Norway uh, for a company called Boreal Yachting, uh, which does. Those trips, um, all, all kinds of trips, really up in the in the in the Arctic uh, for for tourists and adventurers, uh, photographers, all that stuff. Um, so that was that was my first uh, first sort of professional sailing job. Um, so I did that for a while and then that's when i met andy actually i met him on uh, svalbard up in spitsbergen 
and because he was taking he was taking Eastbjorn up there and doing a, like a season up in the Arctic, and um, and yeah, so that that's what that's well, that's when I, I I met him first. Um, I I knew about him very well from beforehand. I was a, I was a huge fan of his of his podcast on the wind, um, and he we start, had started emailing. Uh, at some point, because he was going to the to the Arctic, and and I was just, I was working up there, uh, we were talking a little bit about that, and then uh, I actually uh, sent him my rifle uh, because he he needed a rifle to go up there for uh, protection against polar bears, and he didn't have anything, so I that was our our first interaction, I guess. I, I shipped him my rifle <laughs> what what caliber was it or is it uh 30-06 okay that's what i got from my uh, book yeah yeah that's that when i oh, was so, sorry you you dropped out there what was what was that i said that's exactly the caliber i have and i got from my boat when i decided to sail up into alaska because they have grizzlies up there and of course i never oh, used yeah, it right. for that but uh but that was the caliber i chose because there's so many different loads that you can get for that rifle, and uh, yeah, that's yes. that's the one I chose. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that is that's a really really good uh, gun to have against against bears for sure. So uh, yeah, so I, I shipped that off to him. Uh, interesting start to our uh, uh, <laughs> our friendship, I guess, and uh, and then we 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 met up in. Um, Svalbard and I, I gave him some advice and uh, some tips and, and we got along really well and then uh, he uh, uh, yeah ex- expanded the business and he reached out to me and um, if I wanted wanted the job and I did and uh, yeah here we are all right well that's a, that's a good story so what what tips now you've been up and down the coast of norway several times and i'm just zooming in and going back and forth and i always had thought about norway as being a fairly treacherous coast but it does not appear to the i mean it appears like there's plenty of places to hide if the bad weather comes up along that coast uh what's it like cruising in norway then it's um yeah it's uh it's not too exposed as you can see, it is because of all the fjords we have and like all the little inlets and, and, and all the little islands and, and stuff, you can you can find some pretty good hidey holes uh, around. Uh, we, we do get a lot of a lot of challenging weather, but you're not you're, you're not it's not like the, the offshore weather comes just and beats you straight into a like a wall of rock. You can always sort of sneak your way in. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's really nice. We, we got really all this really dramatic nature with the tall mountains, just sort of dropping straight into the, the ocean and the fjords and, um, which, which does make like anchoring and the, and the like can be a little challenging because there is not enough room and it's, it's really, really deep everywhere you go yeah as i'm looking uh, at this so, it looks like a lot like uh british columbia where you have exactly what you're describing 
big fjords. How about the tides? Are they big tides up there as well? It it varies a lot. Uh, right here where I am, it's not bad at all. Like it's a meter and a half, um, five feet. Whereas it can get pretty hefty some places further north. You can get like six, seven meters, um, which is, oh, I don't even know what that is in feet. <laughs> but yeah, pretty, 40 some, feet, some pretty yeah. challenging. Yeah. No, 20, 30 feet. Let's say 20, 25 to 30 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But though, um, then you have to worry about the, the currents that comes with it. So yeah, that's what I'm thinking. The currents. So in the Northwest in British Columbia, that's that's the problem we have there. Is is you can be ten feet away from the 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 wall, the mountain, and it's still a hundred feet below you. So it's very difficult to anchor. Yep. Do you have any special techniques that you use uh, in Norway? What we usually do is. Um, I think people call it like a Scandinavian anchoring or, or, or something is we drop an anchor off the stern and then you might have a really long road on that. And then you put the bow uh, ashore and you tie up the bow, mm, Okay, which is a, that's, that's a pretty neat, neat trick. Um, otherwise it is, uh, like a lot of, uh, a lot of docks around everywhere. Uh, so when I go cruising, that's, that's mostly what I do. Just, uh, just find, find a dock, uh, somewhere. Cause there is, there used to be a lot of traffic, boat traffic in these fjords around here because like, that's, that's how people did their business, how they moved, how they, because the terrain is so like the topography is just so challenging with like, very steep hills and and, uh, and and mountains. That that's the way people moved around. They had boats, so there's like little docks and uh, and harbors everywhere. Uh, and then, uh, of course, we when the country sort of got rich and and, and modern, we just made uh, roads everywhere. Just you know, blasted tunnels through all the mountains and and, and put put car roads in place. So. There's a lot of these really neat little harbors around that's not being used anymore. So most most places you go, you can you don't have to anchor it anchor out if you don't want to go some somewhere really isolated. You can you can find like a neat little little dock. So that's that's usually what I do. Do the charts show all these little docks, or do you have to have sort of local knowledge to find them? I think you would have to have some local knowledge, um, or you know, if, if you if you sail around, you'll you'll see them um, and sort of just take take a chance. There is, I think, there was one app that I used once where uh, people could, like cruisers, could in their own sort of little where to go and which docks were, were good and stuff. It might be a Norwegian-only app, and I don't think it took off. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure if there is any. Um, okay, I sort uh, of lost you yeah. there. Skype's breaking up a bit on us today. But uh, you said oh, th- right. You said there used to be uh, something, and then you said it didn't really take off. So I didn't catch a little of that. 
Yeah, there was there was an app. Uh, I remember there was an app where people could the users could register uh, their like favorite uh, marinas or docks or harbors around. Uh, but it was not. It just didn't become a big thing, unfortunately. But uh, yeah. Is there so a lot? Is there a lot of? Uh, it's mostly about. Yeah. Okay. Is there a lot of private sailing up there? I mean, private boat sailing in Norway. It looks to me like there's quite a few marinas around Bergen, but is it a very popular sport like it is in Stockholm or in Sweden? Um. Yeah. Like I. 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 I thought. I thought it was, and I think it. Think it still is. Uh, I. Um. I'm. I'm sort of. I'm. I'm hesitating a little bit because I always thought that sailing was really big, in in Norway, but then I. I went to the States and like I went to Newport and Annapolis and all these places and just saw all the, all like thousands and thousands of boats. And I, yeah, just blew, blew my mind. And like, we don't have that kind of scene here at all. Not, not anywhere close, but I think it's mostly because it's just such a small country. Just, we don't have the, um, the population to, to make it that big. Uh, but I think sort of per capita, it's, it's definitely, uh, very big, uh, sailing. And we have, there's little regattas and, and sort of, uh, clubs all around and, and some fun races. And, uh, yeah, so things, things are, things are happening. Certainly. Okay. Well, from Bergen up to as far north as you go uh, on the coast of Norway, about how far is it? I guess I could zoom in here and measure it with Google Earth, but, I mean, it looks like it's a long coast. It goes up quite a ways. It is a long coast. Yeah, the whole of Norway is basically this, like, long uh, coastline that sort of stretches all up all up north. Uh, mainland Norway goes up to... Um, 71 degrees north, I think. From it's from like 50, 58 degrees north to 71, I think. And then it goes uh, up to Svalbard, which is also part of Norway. Uh, it goes up to like 80, just above 80, I think, degrees north. So it's okay, it's a, quite a stretch. Well, from Bergen, I just did a path on Google Earth and up to where you turn the corner on the north end, it looks like a little over a thousand miles. So that's a long coast to go up and down. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would that sounds sounds right. Yeah. So so a lot of uh yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of cruising ground <laughs> for sure. So, uh, yeah. So tell us of some of your adventures and some of your close calls or any great stories that you have to share. Ooh, well, uh, oh, I've, I've, I've done a lot of, a lot of sailing, um, around a lot, a lot of different places. Um, I think, well, it's a lot of fun sailing up in, up in the North. Um, that is, that's been, you know, it's just the extremes you get up there is, is, is really something else. And, um, uh, it's, uh, I, I used to do a lot of, 
my sailing up there in the beginning in the winter time because uh, the uh, the herring comes into the fjords up then mm-hmm. uh, and else come and, and follow so uh, I was I was um, working for a company called Arctic freediving up there and we was doing uh, sailing and diving with whales uh, trips which was which was pretty amazing um, with you know with, with the whales and the sailing and uh, uh, and and sort of all the all the challenges that comes with sailing in the winter uh, in the Arctic which can be pretty uh, substantial so it's uh, um, yeah, you know it's it, it, it's beautiful with with all the, those big animals, and you have the northern lights and the snow and and everything up there. But you like you, you don't have any uh, daylight at all. Like you have a couple couple hours like of twilight around noon every day, but then otherwise it's just dark and it's super cold, uh, <laughs> like foggy, you have ice <laughs> to deal with. And um, yeah, it's it's like not if if it weren't for if it weren't for the whales, you would ever think about taking like a sailing yacht out there and and cruise. <laughs> it does not appeal to yeah, me in some, the slightest. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's definitely sort of a, a, a different thing, and you know, with all the with all the problems that that comes along with that, I remember like one. One morning I woke up and the, uh, the the diesel heater had stopped during the night and my uh, my duvet had frozen to the side of the boat because of the condensation. So I was like I couldn't <laughs> couldn't get my duvet off because it was frozen in place. And uh, I remember I, I I cooked an engine a little bit once because the uh, the the raw water intake had had frozen solid um and uh and all all these little sort of interesting uh things that that, that the uh that the ice tends to do to your boat so, uh, <laughs> well you've got to have a special boat yeah. for doing that too i mean you've got to have a boat that uh that you can stay warm in and most most boats in the mediterranean where i sail a lot they have big cockpits and very little protection from uh, for cold weather, so you need to have boats that are designed or you modify so you can stay out of the elements. I would assume, don't you? Yeah. Uh, well, it's um, most of the boats I sailed up there was like your your typical uh, Mediterranean boat. We had the various. Um, Oh, and the and and the French, we had a couple of the French catamarans. I, I can never pronounce the fountain Peugeot. Peugeot, okay, uh, yeah. Beneteau or what? Well, yeah, the Benetos or the Junos, yeah. Yeah, uh, but they had what they did was to, they took these boats and just put like massive heating systems in them, basically. Um, so we had like at least two heavy duty diesel heaters or we had on the on the on the cats we had these kabula like waterborne uh heaters 
which are really good. And um, and yeah, I mean, the, 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 the boats were not really uh, perfect for that, but they were really uh, comfortable, uh, like for the for the for the guests we had on board, like they were nice, they were warm and, uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, the, uh, and you, cause those boats are really sort of made for having a comfortable life on board. Um, they were not the best at sort of dealing with, uh, with like icing and, and, and big weather and, uh, especially like sea ice. It's very, uh, you want something more more solid, and and for the for the really high arctic stuff like up in Svalbard and 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 the like, we had an uh, an Ovni, the Alubat uh, boats with aluminum aluminum hulls, okay. which are, which I'm really I like those a lot. They're they're great. So um, yeah, all all kinds of different different boats. So how now have you been working with? with Andy for over a year now? Yeah, I've been working with him for a year. Yes. Okay. And so how many, how many, how many crews or different individuals have you taken out and what has, what have been the routes that you've taken them on? On with 59 North. And yeah. Andy? Yeah. With 59 North. Yeah. Yes, um, I started out. I was uh, the mate with Andy on Ice Bear in the beginning, um, just to sort of uh, for him to sh- to show me how the Fifty Nine North did their thing and and sort of uh, get the feel for for how he ran the business and stuff. So uh, we did our first trip together was from um let's see it was from newfoundland uh that's where i flew in and then we sailed down to lunenburg um and then from that was one trip we had uh it was me and andy skipper and mate and then we had six six crew on board Mm mm-hmm and then we had a new crew come on in in Lunenburg, and then we sailed from Lunenburg to Annapolis. Okay, um, all right. So that was two with six with six new crew. Uh, some really amazing uh, trips up there with, uh, with icebergs and sunfish and basking sharks and some really amazing sailing. So uh, yeah, that was that was spectacular. Um, so we uh yeah we, we did that then um we came into annapolis uh where which is where Eastbion was at as well that this 148 that um that i was gonna uh skipper mm-hmm. so I, after, after that trip on ice bear I, I went home for a bit and then i came back to annapolis picked up Eastbion, and then uh we were uh, it's like me skippering uh, two mates on board, Ben Sufer and Ben Dor. Uh, and then we had four uh, crew and we sailed from Annapolis to the BVIs, Trutola, um, which was, uh, I guess, we used 
it was 10, 10 days. Oh, really? So it was, it was a straight shot then, huh? So, um, yeah, pretty much a straight shot or, well, we, a, a, a curved shot, I should say, but we didn't, um, on the way we were, uh, we sailed out towards Bermuda, almost touched Bermuda. And then we, we sailed south in one, one fell swoop. So really, really great trip. Oh. Um, and then I did, after we arrived in the BVIs, we had a bit of a, a, a break there. We were cruising around for a bit. And then I had five, five new crew on board um, and sailed from the BVIs to, let's see, to Antigua. Uh, stopping in St. Bart's on the way. Okay. And then, yeah, that was, that was, that was, that was a really, really cool trip. Uh, lots of, uh, lots of heavy upwind sailing. Uh, but that was, that's all, all, all fun. And then, uh, I do this, this, uh, winter, I, I went, I do, so I went back home and then I went down again and then did a trip from uh, one from the BVI to Grenada and then another trip from Grenada and back to the BVIs. Um, and that was the, the last trip uh, I did. Okay. So, and, um, and so yeah, this, 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 sum, this summer, assuming, uh, let's, let's say in a perfect world, everything returns to normal and you've got a full-on sailing ski season. What were the plans for this coming summer? Oh, yeah, that, that sounds wonderful. Uh, <laughs> so then the plan is for me to take my canceled flight down to Tortola on the 24th of April, and then going to do some some little projects on um, on the boat and get her on the water, and, um, and 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 prep her and uh, have the have the crew come on board and then we would sail from uh, Bermuda no sorry from the BVIs to Bermuda on the uh, around the thirtieth of April, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be a, a celestial only passage. So we'll turn off every GPS on the boat and get the sextants and the and the tables out and, and do it all on celestial, which will be really exciting. Uh, and then, hopefully, found our way to uh, Bermuda, where we will sort of uh, get a new crew and then do our next leg uh, for the Azores, which is going to start. I think we leave Bermuda on the fifteenth of May. Okay. So sort of just in just in time to to get out of there uh, for the for the hurricane season. Okay. And then then make it to the Azores, and then next one is Azores to Scotland, uh, sort of north northeast up there. Mm-hmm. And then we are going to. Uh, do a last leg from Scotland, Oban in Scotland, to my hometown of Bergen, uh, 
come in come in there crossing the the north sea for the last last leg and then um i'll have my summer vacation um at home and we'll july and august and then we're gonna start from bergen again and do bergen to ireland ireland to portugal and then portugal to um, the canary islands uh, setting us up nicely for uh, another transatlantic in 2021 okay well let's let's hope that that comes to pass let's hope that that happens uh, let's let's i'm keeping my fingers crossed here i'm uh yeah, I'm looking forward to, to to see the boat again, and I really looked forward to to the all these amazing trips. And um, uh, yeah, I, I hope I hope we can make it work um, some way. So yeah, keep keeping them crossed. Yeah. So the ideal candidate that would want to join you on a trip, describe the person that that uh, that wants to book with Fifty Nine North. I mean, we we get all kinds of of different people, and it's uh, you know everybody uh, just yeah has like amazing experiences. Uh, sort of no matter where they their starting point is, um, like we do get most of the people who who come on the trips are they know their way around a boat and they have. They maybe they have their own boats, or they, they, they do some sailing and sort of want to uh, take their sailing to to the next level, or maybe they want to figure out if they if they want to to go to the next level, which is like offshore offshore sailing. Um, so maybe they just before they put a lot of money into an offshore boat, or like before they to build up their confidence to to head offshore they want to try it first with, with with somebody who's who's done it before and and have a proper proper boat for it uh, so we get a few of those but then we also get people who have never been on a sailboat before um and sort of just want a, a crazy adventure and they certainly get that too so uh we um, yeah we we get all all kinds of people. I guess what sort of unites them all is is like a very open and adventurous um, attitude. I guess it, it's it's something that everybody has in common. Like comes comes on these trips, um, and uh, but yeah, we we get a lot of different different people. But uh, yeah, just just. Just really, really cool, cool people. I gotta say, like that's that's the best part of the of the job. Or, like one of the highlights for me is just meeting all these amazing uh, people. And it sounds kind of it sounds kind of scary to put people who have never met before put a small boat and you send them across an ocean together and. It sounds like a like a crazy social experiment, but like everybody always just gets along so well on these trips, and the like the camaraderie that that comes out of it is uh, like people start out as 
complete strangers and then you know a week later you reach shore on the on the other side and everybody is just the best of friends and uh, it's, it, it's amazing what kind of bonds uh, are, are created on these offshore passages and uh, and it's it's I've never experienced anyone not becoming friends so it's it's pretty amazing actually so I think just a, a lot of I think a lot of nice and friendly people sign up for these trips and then yeah, I guess you just you just have to become friends on on, a, on an adventure like that. You have no, there's no other option, really. That's great. So, anything else we should add uh, before we finish this interview that you can think of? Well, um, not nothing that, that comes to mind. No, um, not off not off the top of my head. Um, no. I guess not. It's been it's been fun chatting for sure. It's been uh, yeah. <laughs> so August, give the website where people can get a hold of of uh, fifty nine North Sailing. I think it's just fifty nine North Sailing dot com, but I may be wrong. Is that correct? That's right. It's fifty nine dash north dot com. Um, so check that out. It is a pretty cool website, uh, and then. We also have, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and we got the, the On The Wind podcast that you can find anywhere on the on the web. And um, yeah, check us out and uh, please come sailing with me. I'd, I'd love to, to meet more cool people and, uh, and do some more trips. So uh, yeah, check us out. Thanks, August. Someday I hope we meet personally. So good luck. All right? So do I, Franz. Thanks so a lot. I. Thank you very much. All right. Talk to you later. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f***. What the f*** gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it.